0: So Thanksgiving is uh, the time to stop, to think about, and to thank God for good things. And as I was thinking about that, I was thinking of a conversation that Arthur and I had last week, and he was just super thankful, thankful for where he is today. And so I asked Arthur to come on up and share with us kind of that journey from maybe where uh, he was when we first met to today. Arthur, everybody.
1: Good morning, church, for this is the day that the Lord hath made, and we shall rejoice and be glad in it. And for y'all that don't know what I've said, my baby is back home with me. She got back uh, Wednesday, you know, the mother had ran off with her. But nevertheless, I am truly thankful for why I am today, because if it not, had not been for the Lord that I was on my side, I wouldn't be here uh Mike jensen, which um he was my physical therapist, you know, and I'll always remember him because he brought me to o t c and that was what I wanted two years ago but anyway i was I was down and out, I didn't know which way to go, but I say this because it's on my heart when I read the word, and it said Paul said. I yet to arrive, I haven't got there yet, but I'm on my way, you know, and I am, I, I was homeless. I have a beautiful apartment. I have two gorgeous kids that I take care of. I have two jobs, two jobs. You know, I I, I work for uh, Piedmont Lumber, Monday, Wednesdays and Fridays. And then God gratefully blessed me to work for the apartment complex that I live in, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays, and today. From where I came to where I am today, I can honestly say, as Paul said, it wasn't until I came into the knowledge of who Christ was and what part he played. And I thank God for OTC, I thank God for sharing, I thank God for Jan, I thank God for Professor Wayne. I thank God for Wayne. I thank God for Mike and you know I just thank God for OTC because when I couldn't do for myself, OTC stepped in and they did for me. They love me more than I can ever say or ever give back. And today I am so grateful. I am so happy. I don't worry about nothing no more. I'm, I'm through with it. I'm through with it. You know, when something happens in my life and I don't understand it, I go to my place, and that's my room. I say, okay, God, you deal with this. I'm going to go deal with what I can't deal with. Because I've learned when you start trying to deal with stuff that you don't know something about, you get all frustrated, you get all crazy, and you wind up doing something that you don't want to do. And OTC has taught me gracefully to lean on God. Whatever whatever my problem, I go through the index of the Bible. If I can't sleep, I say, okay, God, can you tell me why I can't sleep and how to sleep? But I'm so grateful today to have a second chance in life. And a lot of y'all heard my story about I had to go through it to get to it. You know, life is just it just Y'all just don't know, you really don't. For me, and I can only say for me, life is so wonderful that I'm glad I have an adversary that I can depend on. Yes. Yes. You know, and with that, I want to say OTC and, and y'all, thank you for being there for me. Mm. In the name of Jesus, mm. I'm grateful. Amen, thank you. amen, thank you. Thank
0: you. Yes. So many times in Arthur and our our conversations, he talked about just focusing on the Lord, turning his attention to the Lord. And uh, it's been a joy just seeing him walk through it. It's the same journey in in different uh, contexts for each of us. God uh, takes us where we are, and he leads us into more fullness of life. So thank you, Lord. That's the first part of the message today is just thanks. Thank you, God. Thank you. To be thankful to God is to be rightfully related to God. It's to be truly human. It's to be uh, made in the image and likeness of God. It's to be rightly related to God because when you're thankful to God, when you thank him, you are saying a couple things. Number one, you're saying you exist. You are there. I honor you as creator of all, as source of everything that is good. We see him correctly, and we're living in reality when we are being thankful, when we acknowledge his existence. His eternal power, divine nature, is displayed in what he's made. It's clear. It's evident. His gifts begin with his good creation. Not a particle of light or wisdom or justice or peace or genuine truth. Not a breath of air, not a glimpse of blue sky will be found anywhere which does not flow from him. You are the source of all things, God. You are the cause of all things good. To thank God is to acknowledge God exists and to praise him for his goodness. To acknowledge that anything good that you experience today, yesterday, tomorrow is from God. It's a reflection of his goodness. You have something good because he is good. I mean, you look around. It's fall, but it's beautiful. We were walking in the hills, and it's green grass somehow in late November. That's weird. Creation itself, you, your your existence, the breath in your lungs, is a demonstration of God's generous love of his goodness. Your ability to hear and to, our, to understand our ability to talk to each other, to connect with each other, to laugh. That is all from God. It's, an, it's a demonstration of God's generous love. We experience it daily. Sometimes we forget. We, we forget to acknowledge it because we're focused on what we don't have. And that gets to the next part. We're, we're experiencing God's generous love when we're seeing things correctly and we're praising him But also, this side of Eden, we're also experiencing something else, something else, right? We face scarcity. We we face struggle. There's fear and divisiveness about who is getting what and how much. Fear about, is there going to be enough for me tomorrow, for my family, for my department, for my neighborhood, for my country? And then here it is, right? Even when we have enough, we then can stumble by comparing ourselves to others who have more, at least on the surface of things. That person has more, has a newer version of what I have. Why can't I have that? That's not fair. Instead of enjoying what we do have and thanking God for it and being content, we worry. We fear. We envy. Envy can lead to anger. Um, The worst case, you know, sometimes this anger turns to force and violence to take what we want from others. There's There's a vicious downward spiral there. That's happening in the world. And we can get caught up in it. Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, came into that kind of world. First century Israel is that kind of world. Although he existed in the form of God, he not, did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped and held on to at all costs. But he voluntarily, willingly emptied himself, lowering being humble to being obedient on the cross. First century Israel was under the oppression of the Roman Empire high taxes, squeezing everyone, people. Losing their property, selling off things to pay off debts. God himself came into a world of scarcity and struggle and striving. And yet, somehow, Jesus said things like this. Matthew 6.25. He said to his disciples, he said, I tell you, he's telling you and me, do not worry about your life what you'll eat or drink or about your body what you'll wear is not life more than food than those things and the body more than clothes look at the birds of the air they do not sow or reap or store away in barns and yet your heavenly father feeds them are you not much are you not much more valuable than they So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what are we going to drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles, the non-believers, those who don't know God, run after those things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and righteousness. And all those things will be given to you as well. How can Jesus say that? In a world of scarcity and struggle and striving, especially first century Israel, what does Jesus see that the headlines in your news feeds do not see? What is he looking at? What is he drawing our attention to in that passage? The Father, the Father, our Heavenly Father. He provides what the birds need. He values, loves, and cherishes you much more. He said the Father knows what you need. He knows your needs. He knows your struggles. He knows you. Instead of pursuing those things and getting caught up in that cycle, do what? Seek first, foremost, his kingdom and his righteousness. Get your eyes off those things. Put your eyes on the Father. Put your eyes on God. Seek him first. In this world of scarcity, financial struggles, lack, comparisons, envy, Jesus is inviting you. Nay, he's urging you and me. Get our eyes on God. When you're feeling that anxiety, when you're feeling that pull, when you're feeling that envy, when you're feeling that, go to God. God. Get your attention on him. Get off the path of worry and frantic fear. Instead, Jesus says, follow me. Follow me. Look to me. Now we're going to see that up close in an encounter that Jesus had with the rich young ruler. We get that phrase, rich young ruler, from the version in Luke. We're going to look at the version that's in Matthew. We're going to see that this guy had a lot going for him, yet he was lacking something. Let's go there. Mark, it's Mark 10, 17. Mark 10, 17. As Jesus started on his way, this is during his three and a half years of public ministry in Israel, a man ran up to him, fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, he must have listened to Jesus. He must have overheard some of the stuff he was doing. Um, for some reason, he came to the clus- conclusion that Jesus is a good teacher, a teacher who might have the answer to the big question, how do I inherit eternal life? Now, for a first century Jew, uh, eternal life, God's pro- it was out there. And eternal life meant not just life beyond the grave, because life was short and a struggle back then for many. I mean, people didn't live long. People live almost too long now, because we don't even think about death. But death was prevalent in that time. So they are like, well, when I die physically, how am I going to come into that eternal life that you promised, that life beyond the grave? So that's part of it. But also, if you're a first century Jew, you realize that eternal life is more than just a continuation of life. It's life in God's kingdom. It's life with God under his good rule and reign where everything is set right again. So he wants to know, how do I get it? That's his aim. That's his goal. He wants eternal life. That's the first fill He wants eternal life, life with God and his kingdom forever. That's his highest aim. Everybody has an aim. Everybody has a goal. Everybody has something they are focused on, a prevailing aim or target that they arrange their life around. What's yours? He wants to know the big one. How do I get into this life with God and his kingdom forever? And um, Jesus' response is interesting. Okay, so he just asked, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus' response, verse 18, why do you call me good? No one is good. No one is good. No teacher, nobody you've met, nobody you've talked, nobody's truly good. Nobody's good except God. Except God alone. Such an interesting comeback, right? How do I get eternal life? Why do you call me good? Why do you call me good? Do you think I'm good, Jesus is asking? Because goodness only comes from where? God, ultimately, God. Okay, No one is good except God alone. What is good? God. If you want to know what is good, where do you need to look? God. If you want to come into what is good, what should you follow? God. To get what is good, you need to attach yourself to the one, the only one that is good. The man's question, what must, listen to the man's question. What must I do? What must I do? Where's his focus? On himself. What's Jesus doing? Hey, what's good? Do you think I'm good? No one's good except God alone. Jesus is slightly redirecting his attention to whom? To God, who alone is good. And where's God in this encounter with this man? Standing right in front of him. Emmanuel, God with us, God in the flesh, is saying this to him. Wow. Jesus is going to make that more clear in a second. But then he goes back to the question. Next villain is, go after what is truly good. So Jesus is saying in that question, go after what is truly good. If you're going to go after something in this world, you're already pursuing something, you already have an aim, why not make it the best aim, the highest aim? Go after what is truly good in this life. Go after God. Okay, so then he circles back to the man's initial question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says, verse 19, you know the commandments. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, you shall not defraud, honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Ba-bum. I'm doing right. I'm doing well. This guy seems to be on the path. But then Jesus doesn't say, okay, ding, 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 you're good. Eternal life is yours. Take care. Be May the force be with you. Whatever. No, no, he does something else. Look at this, verse 21. It's it's surprising. Jesus looked at him and loved him. Jesus looked at this guy in the eyes and loved him. That's true of you also. Jesus sees you. Jesus knows you, and Jesus loves you. And because Jesus, who is good, who is God with us, loves him, he says to him, one thing you lack, Jesus said, go sell everything. Give to the poor, you'll have treasure in heaven, then come follow me. Sell it all, come follow me. If you want eternal life, if you want life with God forever, you want to come into his good, glorious rule and reign, you want what is truly good, Jesus says to him, sell it all then come attach yourself to me. Follow me. And Because Jesus knows you, sees you, and loves you. He says the same to you. Sell it all, man. Put it all behind. And come follow me. Attach yourself to me. Take off everything that's in the way of you following me. Put it all aside. Bury it if you need to. Come, follow me. Go all in with Jesus. Next fill in, sell everything to follow Jesus. Go all in with him. The one who is good. Truly good. You want what's good? Follow Jesus. The one who is good and He's not just good, but he loves you. He knows you. He sees you. It's an amazing opportunity, amazing invitation here. And then, if you do that, when you do that, you will have eternal life. Not just length of life, but quality of life, fullness of life with God, your Maker eternal life, and treasure in heaven. That's just bonus. I don't know what that is, but it's just something stored up for you ahead. So put yourself in the rich young man's sandals. Jesus just laid it out for you. Sell it all, man. Come follow me. Go all in with me. Let's go. What do you do? What do you do? What would you have done? I'm like, from the sideline, go, man, go. Do it. Don't miss out. The question is now you and me. What are you doing? What are you doing now? Are you going all in with Jesus? Will you go with him wherever he leads? Do you trust that he is good and that he loves you and that whatever he tells you to do is good and loving and generous and kind and for your best? And then the great tragedy the rich young man. What did he choose? What did he do? He heard the invitation. At this, the man's face fell. He was so fired up. He was so stoked. He thought he was doing so well. His face fell, and he went away, away from Jesus, away from this opportunity, away from this door and this path to eternal life, away, because... He had great wealth. He claimed to want eternal life, God's kingdom, what is good. He claimed to follow God's commands. But when God himself standing in front of him said, sell everything, come follow me, he did not go. His actions revealed what's really going on in his heart, his true affections, his highest aim, his highest goal. And it wasn't the Lord after all. It was his wealth. It was his stuff. Things. he didn't fall. He didn't fall. Why next villain? Because he loved and wanted something else, even more than God, even more than what is truly good. Did the rich young ruler make a good choice? Man, what did he miss out on? I'm still hoping like at some point he came to his right senses and, and chased after Jesus. I'm hoping we'll get that story someday. I, I don't know. But what about you and me? Are you going all in with Jesus? Are you giving away what Jesus tells you to give away? Taking off what He tells you to take off, leave behind what He's telling you, leave behind. Is Jesus really Lord of your life? Is he truly your highest aim? Is he in the right place, or do you have something above it? Your choices will reveal your affections. will reveal what really is. We're going to stay focused on the topic now of wealth, of money, of money. What topic did Jesus talk about more than any other? It's not money. Some. <laughs> oh yeah, hell's on the top three. All right. Now it depends on how you slice this, you know, because when you're looking at what he shared, you kind of say, okay, what's the primary focus here? First place, the thing he talked about most was the kingdom of God, kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven, the rule and reign of God. Time is fulfilled. Repent, and believe. King kingdom of God is at hand. Number one, king of God. Number two, probably faith and salvation. All right. Number three, hell. And then Jesus talks about money in several, several places. All right. Easily top 10, maybe top seven. Anyway, he talks about money. Matthew 6 24. Here's one. No one, none of us, can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You gotta choose. Wh- which is truly good? Which is which is God? Which is your Lord? What rules over you? What rules over your choices about what to do with money, money, or the Lord. Matthew 6.21, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus is asking you and me, through the encounter with the rich young ruler, through these passages, what has your heart? What has your affections? What do you love most? Who or what is Lord of your life? See, money is one of those things that has a tight grip on many of us, right? It's important. It plays a large role in our lives and our decisions, what we can do, what we can't do. So your relationship to money is important to Jesus because he knows you, he loves you, he sees you, he, he understands. So first question for us, questions I asked myself this week. Does Jesus? Does Jesus have the right? Does Jesus have the right, the authority? Does he have the right to tell you, to tell you what to do with your money? What gave Jesus the right to tell that man to sell everything and follow him? Who does this guy think he is? Well. If he's God and He is, then that I think, gives him the right. Right? He's Lord of heaven and earth. He's the creator of all things. He's the source of your life. Where did your money come from in the first place? Oh, I earned it, man. All right, what gave you the ability to, to earn? What gave you the job? What gave you what what led to you being here? What gives you the pulse running through you? All you have comes from God. Everything you have, it's all from God. What has more authority over your life, Jesus or money? If Jesus is your Lord, you belong to him. If he is your Lord, this money belongs to him, to him. Have you given him lordship over that part of your life? Have you submitted that part of your life over to the rule and reign of God? You've been brought into the kingdom of God. Are we living under his good rule and reign? Are we submitting everything to him? Let's say this together. Practice it or say it and believe it wherever you are. Next fill in. Jesus. Jesus, you are Lord. And all I have, everything I have, comes from you. Jesus, you are Lord. Everything I have comes from you. You are Lord. Your Lord. Okay. I need to remember that. And everything I have comes from you. Jesus has the right to tell me what to do with my money. Jesus has the right to tell you what to do with your money. And next question leads to this. Is giving it over to Jesus, is giving Jesus your money better than controlling it yourself? Jesus is Lord, but is he good? Is he wise? Does he really know my situation? Does he really love me? Which is better, what Jesus tells me to do with my money, or what I think I should do, or what I read? What's better? Comes down to the question of, does Jesus love you, know you, see you, love you? And how do you know if he does or not? 2 Corinthians 8 9 comes to mind for me on this one. It says, for you know, you know, you should know, and now you know, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, his kindness in coming to us and laying down his life for us. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake, he became poor, so that through his poverty, you might become rich. Jesus wants you to be rich. Rich. He came into poverty to make you rich. Rich. What kind of riches are we talking about here? Eternal, yeah. True riches. Lasting riches. Like what? What are some of the riches that Jesus leads you into? For me, genuinely loving relationships where I am known, where I can be real, where I'm accepted, but also where people will tell me the truth and challenge me. That came, I came into that as I followed Jesus. Closeness with God. That's something rich you can't take away from me. Closeness with God as I left some things behind and followed him. Growing in character. Shocking, I know, if you know me, but I've grown a lot in character over 30 years of following Jesus. Becoming a better person, more patient, loving, humble, actually a little bit more other-focused than self-focused. Gentle, joyful, peaceful, more than I was before. Being part of God's meaningful, lasting work in the world. God's good works. He's given them to all of us to do. That's for all who follow Jesus. True riches, stuff you can't get taken away from you, where moth and rust cannot destroy. Let's say it together. Try this on with me. Jesus, next fill in. Jesus, Jesus, you, you are good. You are good. You are good, and you know, and you love me. You are good, you know, and you love me. Here's a hard one. Look out. So I entrust my money to you. I entrust this area of my life to you. I put it in your hands because you know me and you love me and you're good. Isn't he? He is, right? All right. So it falls that I can entrust my money to him. I want you to be Lord of my money. You'll do a better job. You're wiser than me. I want to do it honors and pleases you with my money. I'm going to put it in your hands. Now, I could have left it there, but Jesus, is like, nope. All the way challenge, number three, Lord Jesus, how much, how much, are you calling me to give each month, and to whom? how much, and to whom. See, money is one of those things in our lives that we can actually measure, right? I don't know how patient I am. What what number on the dial am I with patience? How loving I am? How uh, generous I am? I can actually maybe put a number to that. This is one of those areas where I can actually measure. Okay, Lord Jesus, how much you call me to give each month and to whom? All right. first of all, that first part of the question, how much? What what has Jesus been saying so far? Well, how would you answer that so far from what we've heard? How much? Everything. Ooh. Alarms go off, internal alarms. Gates go up. Wait. Yeah, it makes me nervous too. Give everything. I'm your Lord. I, I am yours, Lord. I give everything to you. That's submitting to His lordship. That's yeah. I, I believe you're good. You know me, you love me, and you're the best. So that's great, and that's big. But it's also a little bit vague, isn't it? Everything. Okay, yeah, I want to be willing to give everything. Okay, yes. But then there's another clear word in Scripture for regular giving. You, me, people of God, we are to give a tithe. We are to give. 10%. 10%. He's given as a specific number. This is a number that goes all the way back to Abraham, to Israel, for the people of God. Next fill in, give the tithe. Tithe means 10%. God first gave this to Abraham, but fast-forwarding to Israel, it's about 1440 B.C., Leviticus 2730, a tithe, the tenth of everything from the land. They were agricultural people from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. Belongs to the Lord. It is wholly set apart to the Lord. So fast forward 3,400 years today. What percentage of God's people of Christians tithe today in the US? What percent? What would you guess? 30? I got 30. I got 30. Do I have? Do I have? What do I have? Huh? Five. Sharon's right. Seven. is five. Yeah. Five percent. I think these numbers are about from four or five years ago. 65 percent of Christians give something. And on average, Christians give more than any other faith group. Uh, They're more generous. But that doesn't change the fact that 30% of self-described Christians don't give anything. Don't give anything. And only 5% today tithe. A core practice going back thousands of years. Why? Why? Why, What's the thing? Why is 10% so hard? Listen to this. Now, this is addressed to Israel under the Old Covenant, but there's some key core things about God in this. Malachi 3:8 through10. It's the prophet. "Will a mere mortal rob God?" the Lord says to Israel. Yet you, listen to this, Rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? The Lord answers, "In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, the curse of the covenant, because they're disobeying it. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, the house of the Lord. Test me in this. Do you hear that? Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not Throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Be generous with God. Don't rob him. Don't hold back. If you're not giving 10%, it sounds like you're robbing the Lord. Test me in this, the Lord says. Test him. I mean, we don't hear that very often. Test the Lord in this and see what he will do. Now, if you don't like the tithe, then question, what percent of your income do you give to the Lord? If less than 10%, is that because Jesus has said, hey, you, less than 10%. If so, hey, the Lord is your Lord. Or is it because it ruins your budget? Or is it because of worry and fear? Will I have enough? How will this work out? So I know uh, through conversations a couple households in OTC that tithe. They've they've been tithing for a while. They tithe. They they practice this. 10% of what they take in, they give away to the Lord. And so I asked them to tell me the top three reasons they tithe. And I asked them if I could share their names with you just so you can ask them questions as well, follow-up questions. Alex Alejandro said this. We... He and his wife, Paulina, we tithe, listen, to acknowledge that our money and possessions are not our our own. God allows us to be stewards of the things that he entrusts to us. We give the first 10% of our earnings to God to thank him for giving us 100% and for letting us to enjoy the remaining 90%. We tithe to our church to help Jesus If you have questions about that, how does that work, Alejandro? What does this mean? It's a sacrifice. It's it's 10%. Ask him more questions. You can follow up with him. Jeff, Jeff and Sharon tithe as well. I asked Jeff, I could share this. You can ask him questions as well or Sharon. Uh, He answered, it's a blessing. Why do I tithe? It's a blessing and privilege to partner with the others at OTC to do the work of the Lord and to accomplish the destiny, the mission the Lord has called us to fulfill in Walnut Creek. It's the foundation of partnering together. The tithe, number two, the tithe, the tenth, and first fruits is a principle in Scripture. Our father Abraham gave it before he had the law. And I want to follow after the father of our faith in faith. Number three, when I stand before God, we're all going to do that one day, and I have to give account for the decisions I made in my life, I know I won't have done everything perfect. Amen! Amen! But I want to get the easy stuff right. And tithing is low-hanging fruit. We do that and are obedient in the basic foundational truths. Uh, if we do that, it will set us up to be the, a success in the weightier matters of justice, mercy, discernment, faithfulness to God's word, and sound doctrine. It's the parable of the talents. If we are faithful in small things, God will set us over big things. A couple other things I want to attach to this with this challenge is... Uh, To whom should we give it? To whom should we give it? And the answer, repeatedly through Scripture, is pointing to the Lord's house, to making disciples, to whatever you're giving to, make sure you're giving it to an organization, people you know who are helping others know and follow Jesus. Invest in that. That's the kingdom of God. That's the thing that lasts. Everything else is going to dust. Be in, invest, don't miss this. And then last one, last fill-in, is a pro tip, <laughs> a pro tip that I learned along the way. Make it automatic. Automatic, because, man, there's a stingy, selfish, tricky part of each of us. And it's better not to know what your, let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, you know? Pray about it, and then do it. Make it automatic. Again, ultimately, this is between you and the Lord. So why don't we stand and pray, talk to him together. Let's just spend a minute. Thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you for whatever comes to mind. Holy Spirit, show us. uh, Remind us what you have given to us. Just feel free to say it out loud. Say, Lord, thank you for... Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your word, your light. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We want to hear your word to us, Jesus. We want to hear from you. What are you saying to us? What is your challenge? Today? What is your call? What is your invitation, Lord, today? What does it look like today to follow you? Help us be specific. Help us hear you, write it down, and follow through, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, God. Thank you, Lord.